Welcome to another episode of Pit Lane Parlay. I am your host, Mike Jokum. Matt is here, unfortunately. And hey. we have e- hi. And we have everything from Laguna to Long Beach and I don't know, some other musings and as usual I'll turn it over to Matt for his Gen Z nonsense before we dive into the meat of the episode. Shut up. I feel like dog shit today, so I feel like you have to be nicer than me than normal. I am jet lagged and I I was on the road for thirteen days, so boo hoo. I'm sorry, that was your doing. Yes. For for us though. I didn't just decide to wake up and be sick because I hated myself. Maybe maybe you did. I don't think that's how it works. I really don't. Okay. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> but it's not like this is our second episode of the day and I'm already over this. Yeah, fair. Alright. Well, I do appreciate everybody listening despite me being cranky today. And generally just not wanting to see any humans at all today. So we'll get to our off-topic topic here. What do you think? Do you want a, a TV-related one or a food-related? Oh, I got one. Never mind. We'll save that one for next week. In the famous words of Michael Scott, said, I'm not superstitious, but but I am a little stitious, which is a phenomenal Fantastic quote. Fantastic quote. Yeah, yes. phenomenal. I was wondering if you had any crazy superstitions that you wanted to share with the folks out there. I have two. I had one when I was still playing hockey, and I kind of have a pre-recording, I don't know if it's superstition, but just a habit to get get my mind focused. So when I played hockey, I always put, I mean, even down to like putting on my socks, like everything was left first. So left sock, then right sock, you know, left leg in hockey pants before my right leg. Is that because you're never right? That was that was awful. I'm not even no no. And I got nothing for you on that one. And uh, left skate on the ice first. I don't know why I started that, but yeah. And then record before we record. Usually like a half hour before, I put on some music for. I go through YouTube and go through like a playlist I have saved just to kind of relax and and get everything that's going on in my head kind of cleared and and chilled out a little bit so that. When I record, I'm in as good of a mood as possible. So, yeah, I don't know if that's really a superstition, but I, I do it pretty much every week when we record, except if I happen to be recording in somebody's apartment or, like, last week I, I didn't because I was in San Francisco. But, yeah, usually I put on my headphones and just kind of chill out for a bit. So what you're saying is you're just, like, wired when you get log on. But then we do F1 first, and I feel like it's a buzzkill. <laughs> This week we're just talking about Sochi. Yeah, yeah, I know. I mean, listen, it doesn't always work, but I, yeah, I, I just—it's more of a mental thing than an energy thing. Okay. Yeah, I have two that I think. Yeah, I'm generally not. I'm like, I can't tell you how many mirrors I've broken in my life. Too many to count, That's and doesn't bug me. Well, mirrors and cameras, I I kind of lump those in together. Okay. But that's fine. If you can't laugh at yourself, then who can? The two that I actually have are if I make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, the peanut butter side when I'm eating it has to be facing up. <laughs> okay. And the second one is if I find a penny on the ground, I have to pick it up. Because then all day long I'm I'll gonna, have good luck. I'm just going to bring pennies with like peanut butter. Oh, yeah. And if you just start, if you're at the track and just like, like throw them. shower with me with pennies, I will pick them up. 
okay, that, that is a task for everybody who travels with Hickey and I next year. Shannon, Frenchie, Lighting, bring all of your pennies, and we're just going to peg them at Hickey all day. And peanut butter and jelly. And peanut butter and jelly. So I have a follow-up for you. Since tomorrow we'll be discussing the Schumacher documentary, if you were to do, if you were directing an IndyCar documentary, but it has to be about a current driver, who would you choose for the subject? You bastard. I know. I, know. I was going to say Weldon. That's the easiest answer of all time. Yep. Current driver. Hmm. Well, I mean, Dixon kind of somewhat started. Nah. I mean, Born Racer focuses on, like, one part of his career. Right. I mean, as as much as I have had my issues with the guy in the past, I feel like a guy that has such a story to tell would be Elio Castroneves. You know, between how he got to Indy or Kart and then how he was basically going, going to be out of a ride but then stumbled into Team Penske to transitioning to IRL and winning his first Indianapolis 500 and then the drama with the second win and then not getting a championship despite you know being on Team Penske all those years and then he gets to the tax evasion charges, beats that, wins the 500, continues to struggle to win a championship, gets iced out, goes to Shank, wins an Indy 500 again. I think out of... I'm thinking, like, who else? Like, Bourdais would have a pretty colorful story between Champ Car and his rivalry with PT going to F1 and, and tanking and then coming back. I think that would be a good one, too. Otherwise, you know, I mean, and, you know, Grosjean. But, you know, he's an IndyCar driver for sure. But I think it would not be so much about IndyCar, per se. Can can I still pick Bourdais? Because that was going to be my answer. Yeah. That was my okay. that was my backup answer because yeah I feel okay. like he also has a, a a rich story to tell. Yeah, I think he'd be super interesting and and you know judging by the handful of times you and or I have talked to him this year, he either gives he gives very colorful answers no matter if it's a good answer or an angry answer he gives you know he's always pretty pretty animated so I think he would be really cool to kind of dive into all the F1 and IndyCar and Champ Car and all his championships in the early to mid-2000s, I think would be interesting to hear more about. On that subject, how was yeah. the media bullpen? Any positives, negatives? From Laguna, I thought it was very interesting. Scott Dixon mentioned he had a very long 30 to 45-minute chat with IndyCar about the Portland lap one turn one issue and said oh, i don't think that'll be a rule next year so he's got i i trust his take there that maybe it's going to change so that was good uh talking to david malukas from hmd motorsports you know our partnered team that we do content with every week at the beginning was very good i i think david's you know future indycar driver and will be very talented and yeah, I like I like Pato's honesty where he's like, listen, I'm not here to, to fight for second or third. I'm here to fight for a championship. So you know, that that fiery attitude was is really good to, to hear and, and obviously <laughs> talking to Alex Polo and, and him reminding me that he still oh, does not trust you. Whatever. So <laughs> rent, it's rent free at this point. Yeah, it was it was it was fun. It was a 
it was nice that they did the bullpen in inside instead of outside <laughs> only because when they do the bullpens outside and it happened in Portland and it happened earlier in the year when when you and I were at Road America you get fans like just like walking up to the drivers like trying to take like selfies and get autographs and like I totally respect <laughs> a fan doing that but I don't think they realize what we're doing so it's very annoying when you hear in the background and, and I have to edit in the background some guy going Simon can I get a selfie like bro back up for two freaking minutes so I can get this done but you know I I, I I don't care what old. the fans do, but just just give me a minute to to do my work. You're and at so Portland, old. they were like, the, at Portland, they were like breathing down my neck to to talk to, get a picture with whoever I was talking to. I think it was McLaughlin. I don't know. Well, I just, at least there's not a pandemic. Right. Exactly. You know, I was like, listen, it's a pandemic. Breathe on my neck. You know, make sure you get some germs on me. Like, let's let's really become friends here. And I got uh, let's let's move on. No, you're like an old man yelling at the clouds. I'm gonna get you a sign that we can like put in like your shirt on the back that faces towards the crowd that just says shut up peasants <laughs> if, I, if i was there i would ask for an autograph too i sympathize for them come on do i have to like hug you next time we're in a media bullpen i mean yeah that'd be cool okay free hugs all right well if we're doing an interview with dalton kellett and you want his autograph please feel free to talk over me it is okay yeah that's fine or Romain Grosjean. No, I didn't no, get a response not during. That means it's bad. No. <laughs> All <laughs> right. That ha- that's that's what happened in in Road America was Grosjean, Grosjean. You know, I didn't Grosjean. Think I yeah, I did. Obviously. <laughs> All right. As you can tell, I'm still a bit jet lagged. I didn't sleep well last night when I got home, I'll and say, I traveled I'm all day to be yesterday. Miserable one here. What the hell? Oh wait, should we talk about my travels yesterday? Oh God! Do we find a video of that yet? No, I looked last night too. Hang on, let me let me get Gen Z this real quick. This this would be my flight, my connecting flight from Salt Lake City to Philly yesterday. <laughs> Utah. <laughs> yeah. Oh wait, they're going Utah. back to the wait. Where, where are you going? Salt Lake to where? To Philly. Oh yeah, it was probably someone from Philly. Yes. And so I get on the plane, and there's a well. First off, there was an elderly lady who could not lift her suitcase. So I get up, try to be a nice nice guy, lift up her suitcase. It doesn't fit anywhere. Her suitcase was massive. It was probably the size of an Indy car. And I go to the stewardess. I'm like, I think her bag needs to be checked. There's no room, and it's it's big. And the lady proceeded to yell at me for not being able to figure out how to get her bag in the overhead compartment. So we're already off to like kind of a rough start. Now, I had left... San Jose at 6 a.m. West Coast time. So I was up at like 3.45 Pacific yesterday. And so I was tired, so I was starting to fall asleep. And then I heard some commotion and a young Gen Z aged looking male, not Matt, was running to the back of the plane and claiming that somebody else hit him. So what happened was he got punched because he wasn't wearing his mask on the flight correctly. A, an elderly man, I don't want to say elderly man, somebody, a guy looked like he was in his 50s or 60s, uh, punched the guy in the face for not wearing his mask correctly, which was then caused a whole bit of chaos as they were screaming at each other on the plane. Then they got off the plane and apparently tackled each other. I could not see this, obviously. I was just kind of sitting there. Then they allowed the guy who threw the punt, the, the first punches, the 50- or 60-year-old man, back on the plane, and the stewardesses were angry. 
and at this point i'm i'm just i just wanted to go home because i still had a four an hour and change flight to get home and it was just it was a lot it was it was definitely entertaining that's through all this like covid and, and you know you see on the news all the time all these fights and stuff happening on planes i haven't seen anything until yesterday so it was quite a lot i'm, I'm sad i missed that I, I did take out my phone to get a video, but by that time the the fight had proceeded out to the back to the terminal, so I really didn't get anything. I'm really glad we have a racing podcast so we can talk about all this stuff. Yeah, <laughs> I I've always told Sammy that one of my quote unquote dreams is to just see like two people getting into an argument on the plane because it's just like so nonsensical. Yeah, we've had some interesting travel stories this last month. I know. That's that's why I brought it up. I figured, well, you had one, and I had a delay, a man-made delay, and there was a old lady yelling at me, a fight, all sorts. Did you of see Rossi's? He said that he had yeah. the uh, window seat, and the guy was on the aisle seat, and Rossi asked him to, like, "Hey, that's my seat," and he's like, "Yeah, just climb over me." <laughs> yeah like, like fuck that. Are you kidding me? Yeah. If somebody, <laughs> that's horrible. if. I'm I'm with I'm with Alex on this one. If somebody tells me to climb over them, I'm getting the stewardess and saying this guy won't move so I can sit down. At least like put your put your legs on the seat so you can shuffle by. I mean, come on. Stop being yeah, an ass. That's absurd. Anyways, there was a race. Was there? Yeah, at the Herda Speedway. The top five was Colton Herda, Alex Pillow, Roman Grosjean. What a what a drive. We'll talk about that in a second. Graham Rahal and Pato Award. Incident on the second lap between Rossi and Herta and really ruined Rossi's day. We'll talk about that. Power had an engine issue, ruined his day. We'll talk about that. Elio was the last finisher of the people that didn't have an incident. Um, So, yeah, let's start with the championship, I guess. So, I mean, first of all, Herta led 91 laps, pole. I honestly, they should just rename the track Herta Speedway. Between him and his dad, it's just I don't know if it is it genetic. You think or what? It's got it's got like they've got to have some like inside family knowledge on this track or something. Being from California, like do they sneak on the track in the winter and run laps in their commuter cars so they can learn something new, run over more squirrels and bunnies and things like that? I don't know. It's uh, it's crazy that they can be this good at this track. I mean, Colton. Colton Herta has led 96% of the laps in the two IndyCar races he's had there and the two since Laguna has been added back on the calendar, which is outrageous. Okay. I just want you to remind me of that when we go through predictions here in a little bit. Your predictions were phenomenal, by the way. I'm guessing that's sarcasm. Yeah, that's absolute sarcasm. Let's start with the championship. So now Pelot is going into... Long Beach with a 35-point lead, and technically speaking, Joseph Newgarden is eligible up until the point. Well, not. Okay. Newgarden needs to win with maximum points. Plo needs to finish last, or basically he can only get five points, which is what, what 26th or 25th on down gets five points. There should be 28 entries, I think. So he needs to finish 25th or through 28th. And then Pato also needs to basically self-destruct. But we can kind of go ahead and assume that Joseph has no chance. Pato's chances aren't great either. 
basically Pelot, to my understanding, just needs to finish 10th or higher. It's, I think it's 11th. Yes, because you can get 54 as the maximum you can get. So, yeah, he just needs to finish 11th or higher. And that's assuming Pato wins with maximum points. Pull, lap led, and most laps led would be maximum points. Great day for Pelot then, right? I think he he did exactly what he needed to do. Clean race, came home second, kept you know, kept it clean all weekend, had had speed, obviously wasn't going to really pass Herda even when they got close because it was mainly because of traffic in front of him. So I think that was as good of a weekend as Polo could have had without winning the race. And he still doesn't trust me. Yes, so that made me happy too. Yeah, it's uh he's he's just I don't know, man. He's so consistent in like a good way. Like in a Elio Castroneves should take notes kind of way cuz like he also throws down and wins too. He's unflappable. Nothing seems to really bother him. No, he's he's super chill, super collected, and I think this is going to go down as one of the better cuz you know, I I'll go ahead and say that I think it's it's it, it's done. I think you know, he's going to need to be wrecked or something for Pato to have a chance. But given what he's doing with having Scott Dixon as his teammate is incredible. I just, yeah, I, I've, I've never seen a guy take it to Scott Dixon quite like, I mean, Dario did for many years, but it's not like Dixon was ever, I don't, maybe the math's wrong, but Dixon right now is 70 points back, which is a race and a half-ish, basically. Yeah. That's pretty incredible. Props to Polo. If he pulls this off, it's going to be phenomenal. It is not over yet for Pato. Do you think he's going to make any self-inflicted mistakes going into Long Beach knowing that he has to do so good? Yes. I Actually, that he's he's going to be in my predictions for this episode. I'm just going to leave it at that because I don't want to I don't wanna say too much right now. I'll save it for my predictions. Sounds good. And then New Garden qualified 17th. Strategy was a little weird, but it actually didn't not work. He finished seventh, so it was a pretty good comeback. It didn't not work, but it didn't really help him. Well, I mean, he gained a lot of positions, so it had to work yeah. in some capacity. Yeah. It, okay, fair. Grosjean. Baller. Stud. He Unreal. Is, yeah. And, I, and Lighting said that he's the face of IndyCar, and... and I would go ahead and say, yeah, now. I think given what he can do just week after week, it's, it's insane. And for him to have that long stint on blacks, come out, and then just just wipe the floor with some guys. Like his pass on Pato, I will probably never see a pass like that outside of the first lap in that turn ever again. Like this is a, like, yeah. like Pato's just covering the inside line, and Grosjean breaks deep enough in the dirty line to the point where he blocks Pato from taking the apex on the exit of the corner and then just destroys him on exit with his fresh tires. And I'm like, how the hell did you do that? That's insane. I've never seen that there. He had a interesting moment with uh, Jimmy at the corkscrew. <laughs> he had a great pass on Dixon in the corkscrew. <laughs> What'd you make of that Jimmy one? I Listen, no attack, no chance, but I know that's the wrong driver, but I mean, it was the same mentality there. I think he was about... Five, he needed to be about five feet closer to make that pass cleanly, but he still made it, and you know both continued with 
you know, maybe a little cosmetic damage, but Jimmy was able to continue. It's not like he spun or, or anything like that. So I thought it was, yeah, I wouldn't have called a penalty or anything like that. I think it was just good what? hard racing. No, that's not the FIA stance. We got to throw five seconds at both of them. Okay. Uh, well, I'm going to give Grosjean a 10 second penalty and I'm going to give Jimmy Johnson the pull or the win. There you go. Much better. Can I go on like a mini rant while we're on the subject of the corkscrew? Yeah, I'm going to put myself on mute. You have fun. Well, it's, it's mini rant, so it's not. Hopefully, it's not too long. Now that we're in the the state of the racing world that we are in, I'm getting a little bit tired of seeing the Zanardi pass 35 times leading up to a race at Laguna Seca. I don't know if you feel that way. The only reason I have an issue with it is because there's no way that would be allowed nowadays. And if I'm being frank, like, I mean, it's probably because I'm a Gen Z race fan. Like, they shouldn't have allowed it back in the day either. Yeah, I don't know the rules back then. I remember it. But I I don't I mean, obviously, I was at the track all weekend, so I wasn't watching the TV coverage. So, but it is when you see, like, 16 articles leading up to the race weekend every year about the Zanardi pass, it is kind of exhausting. So I'll, I'll give you that. I don't know about the TV coverage because I've been at the last two, so I can't really speak on that. But, yeah, it's it's a bit much. Like, incredible pass, really cool moment, and very dramatic given it was, you know, last lap of the race. So it's like, a, it's like an awesome circumstantial thing. I just don't need to see it every single year. What do you think of the Takuma Sato thing at the Corkscrew? <laughs> Takuma, why, why? I get, you know, he wants to get out of the racing line there, but backing up blindly when you can't see if somebody's coming down the corkscrew is never a good idea. Slam on your brakes, wait for the all clear, whether that be you see a car go by or he has somebody on the timing stand who can grab a camera angle. But the last thing you should do is back go backwards on a track anywhere, especially in the corkscrew. It's just asking for trouble, and trouble is what he got. I'm surprised he didn't get a penalty. Yeah. Or did he? I don't, th- I don't think there. he did. I don't think he did. Obviously, I feel bad for Dixon. That really put a, a nail in his championship coffin. Rosenquist also spun in the corkscrew. Rosenquist is... He had an awful day. He had an awful weekend, but he spun twice in the race. He spun on the f- first or second lap, didn't bring out a caution, and then spun in the corkscrew later in the race. Uh, also didn't bring out a caution, but he really had a rough weekend. Yeah. Do we? I know we brought up Rossi Herta. Do we decide if that was a racing incident? or So Herta dropped a wheel, which allowed Rossi to close in, and they went side-by-side as they return, and then a corner exit they touched, uh, and send, sending Rossi into the sand and into the wall. He was able to continue, but obviously the race is over. Any malice there, racing thing? I think a racing thing. I think, you know, Herta dropped a wheel and was a little slow. Rossi was a little aggressive and kind of had some understeer and kind of drifted up into Herta and and hit Herta's wheel and obviously then put Rossi a lap down. But I don't think it was dirty. I don't think there was any sort of malice or, or... I don't think it was a bad move. If if Rossi was able to hold the inside a little bit tighter, I think it would have been fine. So it is what it is. Thankfully, Herta was okay. Sorry for Rossi finishing. I think he finished a lap down in 25th, and he just he was never able to get it back because there was no other cautions after that. 
Yeah, two laps down, 25th. That sucks. Yeah, I, I don't think it was anybody's fault per se. Kind of just happened in tight area of the track, and I think Hurdle left him plenty of room. But you know, there's just some natural understeer, especially the full fuel load. So it happens. I think that was it as far as. But I had one more question, and I believe you either shared it or heard it about the amount of overtakes that we had, which was like four position was the fifth most in recent memory or something. Yeah. When did Laguna Seca get so fun? I I don't I don't know man it's Laguna Seca was not known for this much action in years past and then all of a sudden it came back 2019 2019 was a pretty entertaining race and I think this took it to a whole nother level I don't I I don't know maybe the road course car is just that good now that it allows for some some good battles but it's very it's much more entertaining than it ever was yeah, and sports stars. They're like superheroes. But they're actually real. Which is why we've made a podcast about them. You see, they've all got a story. But too many of these stories were cut short. Kobe Bryant. Payne Stewart. Flo Jo. Phil Hughes. Justin Fashionew. We're writing episodes about all of them. And sadly, many more. Death of a Sports Star, a new series from Crowd Network. Greetings from Evergreen Podcasts. We're rolling out a listener survey, and we want to hear from you. The information in the survey will help us gather statistics and in turn make our shows more appealing to advertisers. I know most people don't like ads, but this is one of the only ways our shows make money and help keep their lights on. We promise it will only take a few minutes, but the impact on our podcasts will be tremendous. As a token of our appreciation, we'll randomly select one lucky participant each month to win an exclusive merchandise package from Evergreen Podcasts. Head to evergreenpodcast.com slash listener survey to help a show and possibly get some free stuff for doing so. We can't thank you enough for the support. Now back to the show. When they got announced, I remember saying on the pod, you know, the instant reaction from people's great parade. Nobody's going to be able to pass. I think we had a little bit. We're like, mm, yeah, probably. We were uh, nervous. So yeah, we're—I'll admit I was wrong on that. On that, because it's been phenomenal so far. I think the double tire compound definitely helps. I think that definitely spices things up. Sure. But my contention at the time was Sonoma is incredibly boring, anyways. So if we're gonna have a boring finale, it might as well be at a fun racetrack like Laguna Seca instead of a boring corporate hangout kind of place like Sonoma. So that's why I was so in favor of Laguna Seca because it's just a, it's more of a driver's track and it's a lot more fun and the corkscrew's awesome and it's got more heritage and IndyCar history. So I'm really really excited that Laguna Seca is actually working out and the scoop on the ground from Mike announced over the PA system is they got to sign a three year deal. So yeah. uh, they'll be back for many more years. I know there's been uh, kind of a weird conflict with either the county and the sanctioning fee or the marshals and the association there. Marshall Prude knows a lot more about it than I'll ever will. So he has a pretty good rundown of how the race was in jeopardy last year, two years ago. But all is good, it looks like. So I'm pretty psyched about that. Do we have anything else before we get to predictions? No, but thanks to everybody at IndyCar for putting up with us traveling for another year since I won't be at Long Beach. It was sad leaving the media center, but it's not my last race of the year. We'll, we'll talk about that at the end. 
Sounds good. All right, so our recap from the race. As far as a good prediction, I had Herda. Thank you, Easy. You had Rossi. <laughs> Oof. That one hurt. I don't know if you remember that you picked Rossi, but you had to look at lap one and just go, ugh. Yeah, I just put away my phone at that point. For bad predictions, I had Castro Neves, 24th out of 24 drivers who had nothing go wrong. You had Ray Hall, P4. <sighs> yep. Dark Horse Top 10, I had Sato, so that that's unfortunate. Uh, you had Ilot, who finished mm. P22, but did beat Kellett and Castro Neves. So, yeah, there's that. Castro Neves is grinding my gears on these road courses, man. He's, like, invisible. Yeah, I, I, I don't want to criticize him too much on those yet because he's kind of in a tough spot since he hasn't been able to do too much of them in the last couple of years. So give him a give him an off-season of actual testing, and if halfway through next year he's still struggling on them, then, yeah, we can we can revisit that. Yeah, you boomers got to watch out for each other. All right, who was your uh, driver of the day? Driver of the day. Let's go with Grosjean. He started – where did he start? Not – not in the top 10, I know that. I don't even think he made the fast 12. Maybe he was 13th or 14th. Either way, hell of a drive on that last stint to go from 7th or 8th all the way up to 3rd. And, I mean, everything was epic from his on-field passes to celebrating with the crowd afterwards to you know, just talking about how much he loves IndyCar afterwards. So, definitely Grosjean. Yeah, I love that he drinks the champagne first before he sprays everybody. Yeah. Or is that like that meme that goes around of that? The guy finishing third, just dousing himself. It's so funny. I know, obviously, her to dominated, but I'm going to give it to Polo. He just looks so calculated and in control of the situation going into turn one, which is obviously a worry if you're fighting for the championship and nobody else around you is. Like, they don't have anything to lose if they run you off. So what's what, what does it matter to them? So for him to be so controlled and calculated and to really keep her to within his sights all day, who's pretty much the only driver that could say that. Uh, I thought it was a, a, a very well-measured race by Polo. I'll take disappointment first, but I want to ask who your disappointment is first because I don't want to steal it. My disappointment is James Hinchcliffe. Okay. So I kind of have two. We already talked about Rosenquist, so he's like my 1A, you know, just disappointing to the max. But my other one is Ed Carpenter Racing. <laughs> 16th and 18th, it's not good it could have been worse but it's not good but it's it's about the fact that they were basically non-existent on the broadcast or practice one practice two it's like they kind of just showed up ran some laps went home a lot of times we could say that about carlin max children advanced to i don't know i don't know what qualifying format they did this weekend but he started 10th so he advanced out of the first segment Yep. And there's a couple other drivers that we know are are not going to be factors on the race weekend, mainly Kellett and Yukos. Like, they're just there showing up and trying to do what they can. But Rina's VK won a race earlier this year. The team looked great at the Indianapolis 500. I'm just surprised, again, at their lack of showing after. It looked like they were going to turn a corner around that Grand Prix time and, and really compete, and then nothing happened. So, yeah. That's fair. I mean, I, I picked both of them last week, too. But, yeah, Hinch qualified, I think, 14th and then just just didn't have any pace in the race. I don't I don't know 11th, if it was Carr. So he must have advanced, too. Oh, yeah. I mean, finished 20th, a lap down, and just 
didn't didn't look like he had any pace and it's definitely disappointing to see but real quick before we move on i had two things one i got some actual clarity on the leader circle like a real answer what and it is you have to be a full season entry to be eligible so that puts like the 45 car out of contention, Castro Neves car out of contention. Thank you to, I think it was Marshall Pruitt who told me this weekend. And I don't know if this is a rant, but the one thing I would like to see from Yunkos is, so I noticed it after I lot spun in morning warmups on Sunday, they've got like, they had like four guys working on the car. Maybe, maybe it was five. At one point, Ricardo Yunkos was out there. I mean, they've got the Hollinger money now. I really hope they hire some more crew because from what I'm told, their road to Indy program is a little bit a mess right now. Almost all of their engineers were fired three races into the season. Almost all of them went to HMD Racing, uh, HMD Motorsports, who's had a very good year. So I don't know, just... I don't think they're being managed particularly great right now. And I would love to see them be successful. I think Yunkos is a great story, and I would love them to stay in IndyCar. But I think they got to at least hire some more guys because seeing like four or five guys work on that car when it was you know, a couple hours until the race, and I mean, they got the car finished about 30 minutes, 35 minutes before they had to have cars on grids. So it was they, they, they caught it close. But, yeah, that's all I got. I guess we can. I don't know if we have any news or if we just dive right into Long Beach. I think Yunkos will be just fine next year. I hope so. Like, I really do. I I don't want to see them struggle. I think Ricardo Yunkos is an awesome dude. And if Ilot is able to stick around, he's also a very good uh, gentleman. So, yeah, I want them to stick around. I'm just trying to counteract your. I just want the, I just think they need to hire more people to be to if they if they want to stay in IndyCar because otherwise they're just going to get destroyed. Yeah, I think uh, I'm trying to think off the top of my head, the IndyCar game is coming out officially sometime in May 2023, according to Stern yeah. Bombs. Oh. Yay! Yeah, Stern Bombs. Yay! I guess the only other thing, unless you want to talk about Stoffel Van Dorn being at Laguna, which I don't really care about. But, I mean, I care, but there's not a whole lot to say. Yeah, there's enough. There's that's what I meant. Uh, Honda clinched their fourth straight manufacturer's title in a row, tenth overall. So congrats to Honda. I know it's not exciting, but Honda has been very nice to us all year. So to us, really? Yeah, I had, the Honda hospitality is very. Oh, you 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 were. You I've never Honda been. Okay, I'll yeah, continue Honda to slander them until I'm invited. You'd and I'm just, just, I love Honda. They're amazing. They're amazing partners. Don't, don't, I'm not out of context. Long Beach. What's there? this weekend? Oh, it's yeah. I mean, knowing our luck is going to be canceled tomorrow and we're going to sound like idiots on Thursday. Yeah. <laughs> what is there to say about Long Beach? I mean, in my estimate, still the crown jewel of street racing? Yep. Okay. It's a decent race, not usually a, a ton there you know rossi won by like 89 seconds a couple of years ago so yes yeah I, I don't have a ton but well i just wish it was standing start that's the only thing i would change about the, the long beach yeah. is that if it was a standing start that would be so much better for lap one 
We're crazier, but better. And we do have 28, 28 cars this weekend. Yeah, 28 cars. I'm looking at the 2019 results. Rossi, Newgarden, Dixon, Ray Hall, Hunter Ray was the top five. Heard it crashed in the King Taco car. <laughs> I don't remember that. But yeah, so Neither 28 cars, that's packed. I'm going to try to find the last time they had that many cars there. So why don't you, is there any factoids or anything? Do you? There's no factoids. We got times for the race that's allegedly happening. Yes, I don't have any facts. There, the the indie car fact sheet doesn't come out till like Wednesday or Thursday every week. Do but your own research, pra- Jesus. It's eighty-five laps. <laughs> That's there's your fact. There's twenty-eight <laughs> cars. Charlie Kimball is joining the fold for Foyt. Practice one is six p.m. Eastern on Peacock on Friday. Practice two is noon Eastern. Qualifying starts at three o five on NBCSN. Warm up. Sunday at noon on Peacock, and then the race, NBCSN, 3.30. I'd imagine being that it's NBCSN, there's probably not a whole lot of pre-race stuff. I will look up the start your engines time and whatnot as soon as that's published on the IndyCar Media Wouldn't site. Wouldn't there be more if it was NBCSN? Or is it NBC? It's, it's, NBC usually has a little bit more, I think. Really? But then again, I'm maybe I don't know. Maybe I, I, I could be wrong on that one. I haven't watched a race on TV since... Barber early in the well, year. We got nothing to show on NBCSN. It's not even going to be a channel. This is the last NBCSN race. Ah. Oh no! Well, so come sad. on, it's been awesome. It's been a good ride. NBCSN was a fantastic channel. Don't get me wrong. Hockey, so, uh, hockey, soccer for you, and racing. So yeah, but I don't. Know. Oh, here we go. We had twenty-eight in two thousand one. So we had twenty-seven in twenty thirteen. Sebastian Savedra finished last. Shock. But 28 in 01. There was also 27 in 11. God, I couldn't imagine the 2001. Grand Prix of Long Beach where they did a standing start. That would be so awesome with those cars. Yes, yes, that would be. Although the foot clutch thing would be pretty pretty hazard for the standing starts. 29 and 98. So it's not unheard of, I guess, is what we're trying to say, that they have this many cars. But it's kind of... A great sign again for the series that this just this this healthy of a, a finale. Yeah, so much positive momentum business wise, TV wise, everything's. I think this is, you know, one of the first years in a couple of years where like everything seems to be headed in the right direction. Everything. I mean, obviously, you could talk to a boomer who says, "Oh, there's not enough ovals on the track," or. Uh, the TV numbers aren't close to the NFL or, you know, some garbage that they that they come up with. Uh, why don't they go right on the ovals or do Indianapolis upside down? You know, there's some ridiculous stuff out there. But I think everything is personally headed in a great direction. Yeah. And, you know, there was a time, I will admit, in the off season where I was drifting a little more towards Formula 1. But I will just say people like you and David Lighting and honestly like Roman Grosjean and everybody that I get to interact with on on Twitter uh, during the races it's super fun you know when I do the tweets from the PLP account it's it's a lot of fun seeing people react to our tweets and whatnot but going back to hype up a Grosjean a little bit more when his quote from the after the race was amazing it says it's the freedom the why he kind of likes IndyCar more than Formula 1 it says it's the freedom of driving the car the way you'd like to drive it you don't have to Look after chain charging mode, push mode, tire temperature, tire window, and so on and so on. You just go in the car, leave the pit lane, then push every single lap. 
And yeah, I just think he's helping usher in a new era of IndyCar that is amazing. And hopefully, w- hopefully we live in a world where people love Formula One and IndyCar and accept them both for what they are instead of trying to pit them against each other. Because I think Rojan's doing a great job, again, of getting the word out there about how good IndyCar is right now because he's having so much fun and it's amazing to see. Anyways, just wanted to get that in there real quick. We'll definitely probably expand on that a little more here in the off season, though. I do have one, I do have one Long Beach thought before we before you wrap up, or one fact I should say, not thought. Yeah. This is the first time Long Beach has ever crowned a series champion because the race is typically at the beginning of the year. That's all I got for you. Good job. Wait, technically, okay, didn't continue. the 2008 winner win the kart championship? That because doesn't it was, count. It was the only race that year. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't count. No. Oh no, they actually those those points went to the uh IndyCar championship. Yeah. Damn it. Are you going with uh I mean, so our prediction when we had Shannon on a couple weeks ago, we both said New Garden and she said Pato. So we're taking the L on that one. Do you like Polo or Pato for champion? Polo. I think he's he's too too consistent to unless unless he gets completely obliterated by somebody or his engine explodes on the first lap. I, I think he's going to walk home with the championship. I agree. All right. Who's doing good this weekend? So I do, I do have to admit, after my awful Laguna predictions, I was speaking with Shannon earlier. So Shannon is making my predictions, and I am not making my predictions this week because I just wanted to do something different and mix it up. So these are Shannon's predictions. I am not making predictions this week. And if they are good, we are going to continue with this tradition for 2022. Is this so, like cheating? Colton H- no. Colton Herta is doing well this weekend. You know, if you just didn't say anything, nobody would have known otherwise. Yes, but Shannon would know, and I don't I don't want her to be angry. Yeah, because nobody's ever angry at you, especially people you work with on the podcast. Well, I don't think so. Oh, God, Lighting <laughs> texted me all sorts of junk the other day. Oh, I'm sorry. Well, he he never texts you back. No, so it wasn't about you. Fair. I just said he just oh. texted me some junk. Oh, okay. <laughs> Good. I don't know. It's been so long since we raced here. I'll go with Rossi, hopefully. Uh, who do you got doing bad? Pato. I think he's going to be pushing too much and will make a mistake somewhere. And I will say something unfortunate. <laughs> Hopefully a minor mechanical issue happens to Hunter and his final Andretti Autosport race. Uh, what a great longevity-type deal that they had together. It's sad it's coming to an end. It's probably warranted, but still sad nonetheless because it's been an incredible partnership. It's it's really, you don't see those every day where a, a top driver stays at one team for so long. So that's pretty rare. I think they're on year 12 now, 11 or 12. Yeah. So. Uh, congrats to Ryan on a great time there, and hopefully we see him in the paddock again next year. Yeah, Dark Horse Top 10, you want to go first? Do I want to go first? All right, I'm going to say, God, I don't even know. I mean, I can go if you want to sit yeah, there and twiddle your thumbs for a minute. I was searching through Long Beach stuff. I lost my Laguna Seca results. I'm going to go with Sebastian Bourdais, and this is my pick. Shannon did not give me a Dark Horse Top 10. So when Bourdais finishes 29th or 28th, it's totally my fault, not Shane. You act like people aren't going to like just 
hurl stuff at you anyways. Yeah, yeah, fair. I'm going to say Connor Daly sneaks in, hopefully. Oh, oh, okay. That's interesting. Is that just a gut feeling? Is yeah, there any... there's nothing to it. Okay, all right. Well, you guys have heard the times. Thank you again for listening. Obviously, there won't be a media bullpen episode because I am unable to travel this weekend, so I'll be covering from home. We'll do, do a pre-race live stream probably in the 2, 2.30 Eastern range for a little bit. And I think that's pretty much it. Oh, I, at least Shannon and I will be at Mid-Ohio for the Road to Indy finale, which is in, well, by the time you're listening to this, it'll be next weekend. I'll be driving out Friday. So have some bonus coverage in, in two weeks at Mid-Ohio. I think that's like my eighth time there in the last year. So yeah, I'm, ex- I'm excited to go back out there and, and cover all the finales and see who's going to be getting the scholarships and get some extra interview episodes out there but everybody enjoy a lovely weekend of racing today's podcast was presented by podgo podgo is the easiest way for you to monetize your podcast providing podcasters with a flat rate for ad space so you always know how much you get when you include an ad from podgo if you're a podcaster you can apply too immediately and get connected with advertisers that fit your audience go to podgo.co at podgo.co and let them know that we sent you there without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running everything would suddenly stop hospitals factories schools and power plants they all depend on you no matter the weather emergency or time of day you're the ones who get it done at Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.